Well met, fellow adventurers. Once more, I'm in the village of Hawklaw. And once more, it's, go it's having trouble with Otorok. In the latest adventure in that series, Dawn in Hawklaw. The battle began at dawn. Let's begin that one. The battle began at dawn. Roused from your much-needed slumber, in the outpost's recently constructed barracks by a series of frantic, frantic cries, you ho you wholly equip your gear and stumble out of the for former inn and onto Hawklaw's main thoroughfare. There, you find yourself in a, in the company of a dozen soldiers and Captain Millark, the captain issuing orders to his assembled men moves up to your side and points along the road to the north. Peering through the hazy, dim light of the morning, you spot eight shapes moving towards the village centre. You immediately identify the shadowy figures to be able to look eight. I can handle eight. Especially with all this help. As the Otorok approached, they suddenly divide into two groups. One half... The menacing legion continues to advance along the western side of the thoroughfare, while the other four move along the eastern edge. Captain Mallard quickly dispatches half his men to confront the Otorok on the left, while he leads the west of his soldiers towards the legion on the right. So do I fight the soldiers on the left? Or the right? Hmm. Probably the ones... Captain Mallark's probably the most powerful, best soldier here. So I should get... So I should fight the ones that haven't got his help. I shall... I shall fight the Otorok on the left. Moving quickly into place with six chain-clad soldiers along the western edge of the thoroughfare. Who prepare to do battle with the silent swiftly advancing legion. The first of the Otorok is quickly upon you, striking out with its iron-tipped wooden limbs. Just going to quick combat those. 25 XP. As the Otorok crumbles into a pile of splintered wood at your feet, another steps forward to take its place. The savage sounds of waging battle fill your ears as you engage your menacing foe. Begin the combat. Oh, it's adapted its combat tactics. It's only to 8 plus. Okay. Oh, got stunned because, of course, I'm wielding the special anti work weapon that I got a while back. Stunned again and slain. 25 XP. You step back from the remains of the Otorok and turn to your white. Only a few yards away, you spot a young soldier struggling to hold his own against the relentless attack of an Otorok. Without hesitation, you rush to his side and engage the wood and iron menace. Quick combat this one. Another 25 XP. The young soldier, still breathless from the fight, gasps his thanks as he turns to face yet another of the Otorok. Realise immediately he is outmatched by his silent foe. You step in front of him 
and swiftly draw yourself into a combat-ready stance. Wait a minute. Did I kill all the Oturok? Oh, well. Can I leave some for these guys? Well, I don't have to, but... I mean, if they don't kill any of them, how are they going to learn? Quick combat and slaying your foe. 25 XP. You turn away from the pile of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet and watch as the last of the Oturok topples to the ground on the far side of the thoroughfare. Captain Mallark barking orders for his men to help the wounded back to the outboat. outpost steps to his side and shakes his head grimly. Okay, now I can heal, and I will. One soldier lies dead, and five of his men have been wounded in the dawn attack. As the two of you make your way over to retrieve the body of the slain soldier, a menacing shape looms into view out of the dim early morning light, moving towards you with swift, even strides is a low notewick, unlike any you've yet encountered. Hmm, what's different about this one? We shall see. By the old father, it's solid iron, says Captain Mellark, drawing his sword as the Otorok bears down in view. Have you seen anything like that? You shake your head, head as you assume a combat-ready stance, your eyes fixed on the swiftly advancing Otorok. Every piece of the Otorok has been crafted out of iron. Also plain to see. This new and unwelcome variation on your now familiar foes seems to move with great speed and agility. As the Otorok draws to within melee range, the sharpened tips of its long arms poised to strike. You quickly tell Captain Millark to stay behind you. Not a chance, my friend, he snarls as he prepares to slash at the menacing iron beings. The words have barely escaped his lip. His lips when he suddenly drops to his knees and pitches forward onto the ground. A victim of a savage blow to the head by the fearless Otorok. With a fierce fry, cry, you throw yourself at your deadly iron foe. I'm fighting an iron Otorok. I have not fought one of these before, so I'm going to do it manually. Oh, it's, oh, okay, it's stunned. It is it's adapted its contact combat tactics, so now it is scaled. What two? I don't know yet because I got an MR bonus on that round, and I got an MR bonus on that round. The Iron Otrox swipes at you with the sharpened tips of its iron wings. Iron limbs keep bashing. Alright, only a scale to 8+. plus. Easy peasy. Tried to stun me, and I did succeed it. You have been stunned and been able to act the next round. But I get revenge and stun it. Yes, it attacks with the sharpened tips of its eyes wings, and it is stunned again. Good job that wad still works on this iron version. And it is slain. 26 XP. The Iron Otorok topples to the ground. But before you can even catch your breath, a bright orange glow envelops its remains. 
With startling swiftness, your iron foe rises to his feet and resumes his deadly attack. Okay. Well, I've I've seen that. Now I can quick combat it. Oh my! Oh my! It got me nearly all the way down. Just use my. Use my quick, quick stone twenties to bring it down. Twenty-five XP. The iron oatwork again topples to the ground, and as before, a bright orange glow suddenly envelops its remains. With starting swiftness, your iron foe again rises to its feet and resumes its deadly attack. It's another. Well, actually, it's not another iron oatwork. It's the same one again. Gonna quick combat it. Phew, it worked that time. It is slain. Will it stay slain? We'll see. 25 XP. The Iron Oatwork staggers backwards and topples to the ground. You maintain your combat ready stance, expecting your solid foe, solid metal foe, will again rise. But this time, it does not. Well, you know, Wall of Three and all that. I mean, if some if something came back from the dead more than three times, more than twice, that would be ridiculous. Convinced that the Otrok is at last defeated, you kneel at Captain Melak's side. Much to relief, the brave commander has begun to stir. His eyes flick open, and he slowly rises to a sitting position. All by yourself, he says, Managing a wise smile as he glances at the remains of the remains of the Iron Oatwork. Hope me to my feet. There we are. I'll not soon forget that blow. Before helping a dazed and unsteady Captain Mullark retrieve the body of the slain soldier, you make a thorough examination of the Iron Oatwork's remains. Lying only a few feet from the slain Oatwork, you discover a small flat stone. The coin-sized stone, identical to those you previously discovered, is emblazoned with the mark of Woundskin, which depicts a clawed hand clutching an eye. You promptly and discreetly take possession of it. And now I have nine of these wound-marked stones. That's quite a collection, although I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And this isn't just me speaking as... Someone who's not as Zoop, who hasn't done this before. This is someone who's played all the stuff, and we still haven't figured it out. But it'll be something. Something will eventually happen with them. But what? Who knows? Maybe something to do with that dagger of vanquishing? Maybe they'll just all, you know... like Maybe, maybe it'll be like those, black, those little black orbs... That we got that we got the first time we fought Woundskin. And when we finally track him down, they'll just blast him with something and do a lot of damage. Maybe something like that. Maybe they'll be part of a weapon. Maybe they'll open a gate. Who knows? But they'll probably almost, almost certainly help Pope fight against Woundskin somehow. And they were probably subtly passed to me by Glenorus. Because Glenorus wants Woundskin gone. 
for his own scheme to become some sort of god, presumably. And I'm apparently supposed to do that. And I don't mind, because I want to take down Moonskin. But the part of the scheme which he doesn't know is I also want to take down him. Although he probably suspects that. And will probably start acting against me more openly. And without Woundskin's, without, not under Woundskin's command, as soon as Woundskin's gone, or Woundskin will take him out. One or the other. It's hard to say. Honestly, I think Woundskin will probably take him down because. Take him down, but only after he's made enough of a scheme that I can finish it off and take down the scheme because it's more. Because Woundskin is someone you dislike more, so you want to have him be the villain for longer. When Lois has yet to do anything particularly odious yet. Or at least not entirely under his own initiative. What are those doing? Yep. Later that afternoon, sitting in Captain Marlock's quarters within the newly established outpost, you carefully study the remains of the iron oat rock now laid out upon the floor. The captain, still in a great deal of pain from the blow that might easily have cloven his skull, leans down and was his head runs his hand along the iron being's head. I'll have been well served by a head this hard, he says, whapping the solid piece of metal with his gloved fist. I don't hope to suppose we'd seen the last of these. Why? Why does, does our enemy stay his hand? A few of these, or a few dozen of these wooden minions all at once, would sur- surely overrun us. Destruction of this village, or even the conquest of this region, cannot be his aim. Osi would have long ago achieved that end. There is something else. Something we do not yet see. Something he wants. Something it cannot be earned by brute force alone. But what? You you not when Captain Melark asks if you like some payload. Your mind is still hovering over his last few words. Despite your current inability to fathom the immortal ogre's brutal means, it is with going certainty begin to realise that the something he he wants is very likely you. And is he just planning to just break my spirit? Just by the sheer number of foes he sends, he sends against me. I mean, if he's if he's seen my record, he knows I keep fighting through a lot of foes, a lot. I mean, I, I put up with all those foes improving ground six. That was hundreds of them, often in huge waves. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's gonna break my spirit by just sending sending more and more Oturak at me in dribs and drabs. But the thing is he can't really do the 
send a hundred Otoruk at once because he doesn't want to be absolutely sure he kills me. I mean, if I do get killed by him, he goes, eh, meh, it wasn't that good. I'll get some other champion. Really, really I, don't, I don't know what his scheme is. I mean, he wants me, but how he's going to go about doing that? No idea. Is it just I'm going to willingly hand myself over just so he lets everyone else be? I mean, that might actually work. But the thing is, I don't trust him a bit. So I don't trust that he won't just make me his minion and then destroy Hawklaw anyway. Or destroy some other village. I mean, he's, he hasn't really set himself up as the sort of person who keeps his promises. But I mean, the last person who became his personal champion got got stuck in got stuck in a stable for all eternity. So that's not really a position I want. I mean, that that I mean that's someone who followed him, or maybe betrayed him later, but. Oh, I'll, eventually I'll do that. Who will get bored of me and pick up a new champion and stick me in a stable for all eternity. There's no particular incentive to be his champion. All will happen is I'll have to do bad things for a long time until he picks up another champion and then he'll do something unspeakable to me. Anyway, that's the end of this quest with a 1024 experience to general. Okay, let's check in on the outpost. The newly arrived garrison of Tyson soldiers now occupies the structure that was, until recently, the Hills Feet Inn. Under the command of Captain Millark, the soldiers are hard at work preparing the former inn to serve as an outpost from which they hope to serve, protect both Hawklaw and the surrounding region. Though busy, Captain Millark is always glad to see you. He greets you with a shoulder cross and is quick to say that your frequent appearances in the village have provided a much needed morale boost, both for the soldiers and citizenry of Hawklaw. Okay, anything? So, maybe if I leave the village and then come back, something new will turn up. I mean, it's worked before. Hmm. Nope. There doesn't seem to be anything new. I'm just going to check if there's any thing I need to do first. Oh, right. I haven't checked the list of adventures. Well, that's the obvious first place to check. The Crumbling Tower is the next adventure. Philip before smiles as you step into the stoneback and holds up his forefinger, signalling for you to wait, as you attempt to shed the lingering chill of late autumn that followed you into Hawklaw's Tavern. Philip before strides up and thrust a small, felled, wax-sealed scrap of paper into your war hands. Let's start this adventure.
line of Pippafor smiles as you step into the stone bag and holds up his forefinger, signalling for you to wait. As you attempt to shed the lingering chill of late autumn that followed you into Hawklaw's tavern, Pippafor strides up and thrusts a small, furled, wax-sealed scrap of paper into your war hands. I found that waiting for me this morning, right at the foot of the stairs. Whoever lost left it must have been up before the crows. It's got your name scrawled across it, see? There it is. And if I might suggest it, that's a woman's hand that's done the writing. Hmm, a woman? I mean, are there any women in this? You know, to work onto us? I mean, there's him, there's Gnorus. I assume Fearskick and Watskip are still around somewhere. Just not particularly doing much here. I don't know what he's done with them, actually, his old harbingers. We encountered way back at the start of the first saga. He seems to have decided it's all about Otorux now, and occasionally a troll, on the, and those slimes. But mostly Otorok. Hmm. Maybe, maybe he's not using goblins either. Or skeletons or any of his other minions. Maybe he's just decided. Hmm. Who knows? I mean, we all know he, he could assemble a force of any old, any old thing he wants. Could probably even get a dragon if he wanted to, somehow. The tavern... The tavern keep stands back, folds his arms and smiles. Perhaps you have an admirer, he says his grin broadening. Well, I'll leave you to it, my friend. The fire could use a log. Setting yourself down on one of the stairs at the side of the hearth, you carefully open the sealed note and gaze down at the thin, dark script that crosses its wrinkled surface. Puzzled by the rather cryptic nature of the lone phrase written on the scrap of paper, you set the note down upon your knee and stretch your feet out towards the fire. Then, as Pippo arrives, bearing an armful of logs, you ask him if he knows anything about a crumbling tower. The tavern keep sets his logs down the hearth and tells you the crumbling tower is a name used by the locals to refer to the ruins of an old tower in the forest north and east of the village. After thanking him and, accept, and accepting and swiftly swallowing the mug of steaming palo he places on the arm of your chair, decide to set out at once for the location described to you by Hawklaw's favourite tavern keeper. Is, is there another one? I haven't seen any other tavern keepers. And really, I mean, Hawklaw is a village, and villages tend not to have as many amenities as a town, because they have a lot of amenities, they become a town, almost by definition. I mean, there could be another tavern somewhere. I mean, maybe he, maybe he has someone that covers, that covers, that covers the tavern for him on when he's asleep or having a day off or visiting family, but I haven't seen any other tavern keepers in in Hawklaw. But I guess there might be another one. Maybe somewhere. 
I mean, I'm not exactly sure how big Hawklaw is, but if you consider that ev- apparently everyone in Hawklaw knows everyone else, and it turns turns to be that about the limit of the amount of people, the the amount of people that you can really know, is about three hundred. Might, might vary a bit if you have a particularly good me- memory or a particularly gar- gar- gargarous. But generally, that seems to be about the level where where everyone can know everyone else. You get much beyond that, people can start being anomalous. And you can have... And a stranger could walk into the town and not be, not be immediately recognised. Yeah, so I say, yeah, that's probably the population of Hawk. But also, it's a village, which also, as I say, puts a cap on its population. Of course, more people have probably moved in now, what with events happening. And everyone's probably gathering together in one village. So maybe people, people who've been moving in from outlying farms and, of course, Colinia. Maybe the population's been boosted enough that a second tavern can be supported? Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Because we, of course, since it's a text-based game, we don't really have a map of Hawklaw. Is there another tavern keeper in Hawklaw? Don't know. Maybe it's like just by default. <laughs> Funny directions related to you by Piripor, who seems somewhat uncertain of the, of the latter series of twists and turns. You plunge into the forest north of the village and begin a trek that takes you north and east of Hawklaw. After nearly an hour, just when you're starting to think you're in the wrong part of the wood, you spot the outline of a tall, jagged stone structure rising out of a grassy clearing just up ahead. As you draw closer, you realise you're looking at, a par- at the partially toppled remains of an ancient tower. Oh, there it is. As you make your way into the overgrown forest clearing and cautiously approach the crumbling remains of the ancient tower in a structure's once grand courtyard, now uncovered by the blank by a blanket of tall, wavering glass. Grass, you make an unsettling discovery. Rising out of out of the grass, its its glow scattering the overhanging shadows of the ruined tower, is the motionless, flickering apparition of an armoured ogre. A grim black iron helm adorns the ogre's sizable head. A pair of bright yellow eyes pierce through a narrow slit in the helm's thick visor. The eyes stare blankly ahead. Clutched in the ogre's ghostly mail-clad fist is a cruel club, spiked with with long, sharp iron thines. You study the flickering image of the armoured ogre for nearly ten minutes. The ghostly ogre never once displays even the slightest sign of movement. Realising you are not currently in any intimate danger from the moving apparition, you set out to explore the intimate immediate area. 
to a lengthy but uneventful search, you pause at the edge of the small of a small bog before turning about and heading back towards the site of the crumbling tower. You to return to the site of the ancient crumbling tower in the overgrown forest clearing north and east of Hawklaw. There, rising out of the, the tall grass that now blankets most of the tower's once grand courtyard, is the glowing, motionless apparition of the armoured orb. A grim, black-eyed helm adorns the orb's sizeable head. A pair of bright yellow eyes peer through us, a narrow slit in the helm's thick visor. The eyes stare blankly ahead. Clutched in the ghostly ogre's mail-clad fist is a cruel club spiked with long, sharp iron tines. The ogre's image flickers several times. After watching the image for several minutes, you vow to return here tomorrow to see if there's been any change to the gruesome apparition. Head back to Hawklaw. You turn and make your way out of the ruined tower's courtyard. And as you reach the edge of the clearing, you glance over your shoulder at the, at the crumbling structure. The very sight of the ruined tower inexplicably fills you with a deepening sense of dread. Without looking back, you plunge into the forest and begin the relatively short trek back to Hawklaw. Okay, I'm back in Hawklaw. Yep, this... When they say come back tomorrow, they mean tomorrow in in the player's time. So this is, this is one of those adventures where you get a little little snippet of things every day for a while, and then after enough days of coming back, you get a big you get a big thing happening. So nothing will be happening with that crumbling tower until tomorrow. So, so, rather than, you know, having five-minute snippets, I'm going to put all the rest of this, of what happens with the crumbling tower, into one episode. But that will be the next, well, maybe not the next episode, because that will happen one day at a time, so I'll be doing other things in in the interim, while that is slowly revealing itself, maybe I'll. You know what? I haven't actually explored the village of Hawklaw yet. I think I'll do. Maybe I'll do that next time. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.